today is going to be a little bit different. It's a little weird because it's a one-man show today. That's right. It's just me, Jared McCabe, doing the episode today. Caden had some plans, so we agreed that I would just be on. So maybe if this goes well, maybe I won't have him back. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm, again, I'm Jared McCabe. This is the Odd Man Rush podcast, episode 10 of our series so far. So this is kind of exciting. This is the last and final time we will be, well, basically me today, but this will be the last time that we will be breaking down the qualified matchups because next Saturday, August 1st, the puck will be dropped in the qualifying round and the round robins will begin. So if you've been a hockey fan or a sports fan, you've been waiting for this day to be coming. So Today, the breakdown of the show is I'll go around the league first, like we always do, talk about the round robin games, and I want to kind of touch on uh, the big news that happened this past Thursday, because that's big if you're a big NHL guy, um, big news coming into the league, so I'll talk about that topic. Uh, so I'll be around the league, and then literally, I will break down the qualifying rounds, step-by-step, uh, step, each matchup, each team, uh, to kind of give the final cementing of... Uh, breaking down all these series. These are going to be big-time series coming up. And um, we basically know that all teams are leaving today. Today's Sunday, the 26th. So all teams are are getting on their, their respective points to go to their respective cities. So the West will be going to Edmonton, and the East will be going to Toronto. So that's all happening today. Um, even though Caden is not on the show with us today, he will be back next week, big-time fired up, ready to go to unveil our brackets qualifying brackets but he did send me um some of his stuff that he wanted to get out there today even though he won't be with us today so how the show's going to work is i'll base will basically be i'll be telling you um who he thinks his reseeds are going to be in the round robins and then i'll tell you mine as well obviously and then we will be we we thought we'd also talk about teams that need to be careful because they could be on upset alert so Kane sent me all of his information so once I get my sh- once I tell everyone what I think then I will give you Kane's information as well so again this is episode 10 on the rush podcast we'll go around the league first so this past Thursday um Seattle officially named officially unveiled their logo and their name for since 2018 there were rumors that they were going to go with the name Kraken and now it's official. The Seattle Kraken are going to be the 32nd team in the NHL. Uh, I thought the primary logo was okay. Um, it's definitely different. It's just like a big S. And then there's red, I think, just to kind of like unveil like the eye or something of the Kraken. I have no idea. Don't uh, take my word on that. But I thought the colorways were very interesting. I was afraid that they would go like, they would like go with like, the Seattle green, like most of the teams uh, have in Seattle, like the Seahawks and the Storm, the WNBA team, so and the Mariners. Like I was kind of afraid that they'd go kind of that route, but I was actually excited to see that they went a different route. They kind of went like this dark blue, light blue, and then they had a little bit of red in it too, That's which is kind of cool. Um, so I, all in all, I thought the logos were really – the uniforms were really interesting, really cool. I personally would have changed up the primary logo because I think the S is really cool. But at the same time, I just think it's kind of like, it's not like my favorite favorite, but it's definitely something that 
it's definitely a cool it's definitely a cool color scheme and they definitely took the time you could tell to, uh, to figure out what the name would be and I think Kraken's just different when the Golden Knights announced their team I was iffy about it because it's just seems just so cliche just so kind of like boring like the golden knights yeah 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 like there's just i don't know but the kraken's definitely different i love the name but if i could change some things it'd just be the primary logo but the secondary logo is fine with me how it has the space needle in the middle so i thought seattle had a home run with them um it's just the primary logo that obviously it's a small issue but obviously what can i do and i'm not really gonna lose sleep over it but I thought all in all, Seattle did a good job unveiling the whole presentation that they had with the construction workers and the CEO and everything. I thought everything really was really, really good. So they will begin playing the 2021-2022 season. So that's going to be very exciting. We'll Obviously, we'll break down the expansion draft. Uh, we will draft the team down the line when that comes. But for right now, all we know is they're the Seattle Kraken, and they hit a home run. They hit a home run. So. Second part of round league is now we're going to go right into the playoffs. We're going to go into the round robin. So as you all may know at this point, Boston Bruins are number one, Tampa Bay are number two, Washington Capitals are number three, and the Philadelphia Flyers are number four. So you can look at these round robin games any way you want. You can look at it and say, well, they'll be real hockey. Will they actually hit each other? Or will they actually kind of like come to like a small agreement? Obviously, it's not going to be like hand-to-hand like agreement, but like on the ice saying, yo, like let's, let's just play for results. Let's not try to kill each other. Let's just try to get our feet under us. We'll try to get the win, obviously, but let's just look for results. Let's look for guys to make them prove and to get into game shape. So there, obviously the round robins are going to be – big time implications because they can get reseeded. So that means that Boston could go one to four. Philly could go up from four to one. Like they can, they, they are getting reseeded. It's what the word basically means reseed. And this goes for the Western conference as well. There are a couple of games I did want to break down for you guys because, um, but these round Robins, I feel like each team's going to kind of look at it differently. I'll start with the Bruins. I think the Bruins and I compare the Bruins and the Lightning with this. I think they're just looking for results. I think they want to get their guys in shape. They want to make sure that they are ready to go. I don't think you'll see a lot of stars playing in the round robin games. I think you could see maybe Patrice Bergeron, Zendaya Chara. I could see those guys maybe playing the first game and then sitting out the, the last two. Uh, the Lightning, I think they're kind of the same way. I think Steven Stamkos could play game one, possibly game two, but then set out the third game. John Cooper said all he cares about is his team needs to be ready for game one of the playoffs against whoever. I think they're looking at the round robins as, yes, they're good, they're good games to, like, like to get in shape and to get going to start, your, start getting chemistry on, on your lines. But at the end of the day, I think they're mostly prepared for game one of the actual playoffs. Uh, they don't want any injuries. Either of these teams don't want any injuries, obviously. And that's why I'm a little like, I don't know how to feel going into these round robin games because I really don't know how they're going to play. If they're actually going to hit each other, if they're going to go full force. But I think when you look at the Bruins and the Lightning, I think those are the two teams that I think are going to kind of rest their stars a little bit because they're obviously in the playoffs. And that's the same with the Capitals and the Flyers. But I view the Capitals and the Flyers just a little bit different. Uh, first of all, I'll start with the Capitals. I think if I could make a list of like the top five teams that 
were definitely benefited by this pause, Capitals are number one on my list. A lot of people are sleeping on the Capitals this year, and it's rightfully so because they had an iffy, iffy season. The way they wrapped up the season was not good, but they are one of the most – they're one of the oldest teams in the playoffs currently. And you got guys like Nicholas Backstrom, Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, some eight, they're not like Ovechkin's an aging star, so is Backstrom, Backstrom, but they're still very good at their respective positions. I think this pause and this this pause in general for the Capitals are going to rejuvenate them a little bit. They'll have, I think, this was a good break for them. They were an up and down roller coaster season, and I get getting a hundred percent Ovechkin coming back, refresh, ready to go. That's scary. And I think they're going to take these round-robin games a little bit like the Bruins where I could see Ovechkin or Backstrom sitting out the last two or the last game. But I could see them really playing a lot of their stars because they didn't really have a great year this year. They need to get that chemistry back. They, there, there wasn't really any chemistry throughout the third and fourth lines this past season. All in all, I think the Capitals are going to be refreshed and ready to go. And I think these round-robin games they are going to use to their advantage because they know they have an aging roster. So the more playing time they can get, the better. The Flyers, that, the pause was the worst for the Flyers because they were rolling. They were rolling at the end of the year. They were out of it for most of the first two months, but then they started steamrolling their opponents. And sooner rather than later, in February and March, they were on the tails of the Washington Capitals. Out of all the teams, the Lightning and the Flyers are the two teams that really had tough starts, but then really started steamrolling opponents as the year went on. And that pause probably killed their momentum going into the playoffs. But the round-robin games are here, so they're here for a reason. They're here to get these guys in shape, ready to go and get into game speed. But I think, the fly, I think a lot of people – yes, I think the Flyers are a good team. I think they could take advantage of these round-robin games, but they, they could start off a little bit slow because sometimes you never really know what you're getting from the Flyers. And that momentum killer of the potential um, pause could really kill them could really kill them. But for all these teams, I think they're going to look at their aging stars, especially the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Capitals, and say, if we're in a good spot, we won't even play you guys. We're already in the playoffs. doesn't matter who the opponent is. We have confidence. As long as all of our guys are ready for game one of the real playoffs, I think that's how they're going to view it. And you can even throw the Flyers in there as well. So that was the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, you got the defending cup champions, the St. Louis Blues, I think this is just a game. I think it's just a series for Tarasenko to get ready um, and the rest of the team. Kind of the same thing. I could see a lot of these teams resting their stars, but the team to watch out for is the Colorado Avalanche, young team, high flyers, uh, led by Nathan McKinnon. I view the West a little bit differently. These these four teams, the Blues, the Avs, the Knights, and the Stars are all very young. So I think a lot of their guys are going to play most of the games. Maybe the last game they'll probably say, all right, you guys look good enough. We'll just rest you guys and get you ready for game one. But I think the Western Conference are going to see a lot of their stars play. Um, Tarasenko, I think, is the big X factor with the Blues. You have to try to play it 50-50. You want to be careful with them because he is coming off from a big-time injury during the year. But obviously, the pause helped them regroup and get healthy and be ready for this a long a playoff run of three months or more. But I think it's a little – you can play it a little bit however you want to. If I'm the Blues, I maybe play him maybe just the first game, and if he looks good, maybe play him the second game and then just cut it short there or maybe cut him short after, like, the second period in the second game just because 
Tarasenko is what drives his team. Obviously, David Perron had a really good regular season, uh, filled the shoes of Vladimir Tarasenko. But at the end of the day, you need Tarasenko to be there to help him win a cup. If he's not there, they're not going to, in my opinion. So you just got to play it safe with uh, Tarasenko. Uh, the Avalanche, they're so young. I think they're fine. You could play them all three games. Just be careful with McKinnon. Obviously, he's not old, but you just want to make sure he doesn't get hurt. But they're a young team. I think they'll be fine. I'm not really concerned about the Avs going into the round robins. Golden Knights, same thing. They're, they're young. They're fast. They can score the, score the puck. So I think they'll be fine. The Dallas Stars, the only guy I can really think of is Jamie Benn that you may want to sit. But the problem is the Stars had issues last year scoring the puck. They were just so bad. They had probably one of the, one of the top ten combos of uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, and they just could not score the puck this year. It was just bad. Bad. What, how, just they were bad. There's no other way around it. So I think for the, stall, for the Stars, their biggest thing is just – trying to figure out how they can score the buck with, without being named Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn because they're going to need guys like them and Alexander Radulov to really step up in these round-robin games. And they know there's big implications because you can be reseeded. So now part of the show is we were going to have uh, Kate and I would reseed what we think at the end of the round-robins what the reseeding will be. So this is what we came up. I'll start with Caden's. So in the East, he has Boston staying at number one. He has Philly jumping from four to two. He has Tampa dropping down to three, from two to three. And then he has Washington at four, dropping down from three to four. So he goes Boston, Philly, Tampa, Washington. Since he's not here, I'll critique it a little bit. (laughs) I think Boston, I agree. I think Boston will stay. Philly, they're so, like, in between. I don't really know what I'm going to get from them from this round robin just because they were had so they had so much momentum going into it, and you can't really just turn on a switch and be like, yep, the momentum's back. Like, I think it's going to take time for Philly, so I don't know about that. Tampa, I can definitely see taking a step back, but like I keep saying, people are sleeping on Washington because this is probably the best team that's going to benefit the most from this pause. So I agree. I like I, – I don't, I don't really see – Washington dropping that far I could see it but I think they're gonna be a lot better than people think they will be so now here's mine I think Boston stays to stay number at number one I think they are the best round right uh they're the most consistent team in the round robins during the whole season I think that will continue during the year so I having Boston at number one number two I have the Washington Capitals going from three to two I keep saying, and I'll say it again, they're going to be refreshed and ready to go. Ovechkin having those last those three months off are going to help him. So with Backstrom, maybe even Holtby, now that he's definitely the, the starting goaltender after Samsonov got hurt. So I have Washington at two. I have Tampa Bay going down to number three. I think they're not really going to play a lot of their stars. I think at most game one will be where most of their players play, and if they like what they see, I think they're going to sit them because at the end of the day, John Cooper said, basically all he's looking for is consistency, chemistry, speed, and the way they play their game. And then at the end of the day, all they care about is being prepared and healthy for game one of the playoffs because they're ready for that revenge tour. So I think they're going to step back just a little bit just because of that if they're going to play and going that route, not really playing a lot of guys, I could see them slipping and falling to a team like Washington. And I'm keeping the Flyers at number four just for the fact that they were bad to begin the year, 
and they went steamrolling their opponents from from the from the start in like February to the pause. I don't know how fast they can jump up, but they are definitely a good team to keep an eye on. But I just felt safe enough just to keep them at four, just because I think the three teams in front of them are just a tad bit better. Um, you could argue that they're better than Washington, but the pause is really going to help Washington. So that was mine. So mine is to repeat Boston, number one, Washington, number two, Tampa Bay, number three, and Philly, number four. Cadence was Boston, number one, Philly jumping up to number two, Tampa at three, and Washington at four. So now we'll go to the Western Conference. Caden uh, has a couple of uh, shakeups here. He goes just with one and two. He goes Avalanche, number one, St. Louis, number two, Vegas, number three, Dallas, number four. I could definitely see the Avalanche jumping up to number one over St. Louis um, because I think St. Louis is going to kind of play the same way. Like Tampa's going to keep their guys healthy, just be focused for game one. Um, I think he's really undervaluing Vegas. I think they're a really interesting X-factor team in the West. I think they could pose a big threat to St. Louis outside of Colorado. Obviously, that's not really obvious, but a lot of I think Vegas could easily upset St. Louis. Um, and then Dallas at number four, I'm in agreement there. So that's Caden's list. Here's mine. Number one, I have the Avs jumping up because I think they're going to play their whole roster from top to bottom all three games. Uh, number two, I have Vegas. I, this is just – this is not me disrespecting the Blues at all. I just – to me, nothing's going to be set in stone perfect for these games. You can try to pick them any way you want to, try to break them down any way you want to. But at the end of the day – I just feel like there's going to be some shakeups. So my biggest move was I had Vegas jumping up to number two and St. Louis dropping down to number three and then Dallas staying at number four. St. Louis, I could easily get that wrong because they're a really good team now with Tarasenko back. But obviously I want to try to make a little bit of, bit of a bold move. So I have as number one, Vegas number two, St. Louis number three, and Dallas number four. And then Cadence again was Avalanche number one, St. Louis two, Vegas number three, and Dallas number four. So that was our around the league. Breaking down Seattle, the Seattle Kraken and the round robin game. So now let's go to the qualifying round. We'll start in the East. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet for these ones because obviously we've broken down these games so many times throughout the episodes. Um, so I'll start with the number five versus the number 12. Uh, the fifth seed is the Penguins versus the 12th seed, the Canadians. So first thing with the Penguins is uh, Jake Gensel's back. Big, big acquisition. Basically, you're getting a guy at the trade deadline with without having to give up anything. He's, he's their best player, uh, not named Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Uh, making the addition of Jason Zucker is going to go a long way for Gensel now because now you can figure you could, you could put Zucker on the second line, move Gensel back up, and it just imposes that threat because with Gensel back now, Zucker is going to be have a lot of chances because a lot of teams are going to have to go up against a Malkin and a Gensel and a Crosby. So Gensel being back is the biggest addition the Penguins could have ever made going into this playoffs. Um, and then for me, just the big question is who you're going to start in net. Matt Murray was not very good this past year. He was iffy, iffy, 50-50 in most months. Um, but Tristan Jerry, man, he he's interesting because when he was in net, he was very good for the Penguins. It seemed like when he was in net, they would win a lot of his games. And he seemed like he, he stole the job for Murray during the year. So how will the Penguins play this? You can look at it at two, two ways. One, Matt Murray won you two cups. So you give him the advantage there. 
but then you could go Jerry at the at the other end, Jari, I should say. Um, what are you going to get from him in the playoffs? He hasn't really played in the playoffs before, and can you rely on a guy that had a solid regular season, but with the pause, how do you know that he's going to be back to the player he was? And you could say that for a lot of the goaltenders going in. But I'll say this, when I talk about a lot of teams that are trying that have question marks with goaltending, at the end of the day, just have a short leash with every single one of them because this is a short series. So you're going to need your goaltender to be on par and be ready to go. So if you start Murray and he struggles game one, game two, you're going straight to your backup because it's a short series and in the blink of an eye, the series could end. So Penguins have to play this correctly. I start Murray because he has the playoff experience, and I think this pause could help him uh, reshape his mind and get his mind right. And I think at the end of the day, I think I'd start Murray game one. But Jari is definitely knocking on the door during the playoffs, especially if Murray has a tough game one. And then the 12th seed uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, basically everything hinges on how Carey Price can play. A lot of people were afraid it around the league when this whole format came out because they were afraid that the 12 seed Canadians could go on a run because of Carey Price. I think he's one of the most overrated goaltenders in all of the NHL. He's got talent. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good player, but at this point of his career, the way that he's been playing over the last couple of seasons to me just doesn't show that he's a big threat to anybody. Yes, he can go on a hot streak because he's that good, but I just I don't I don't see them I don't see the Canadians going on a run or even Carey Price leading them that far, but um, everyone doesn't think the Canadians have a shot. Uh, I think they could steal a game from the Penguins, but would I bet money on them being the Penguins? Absolutely not, because at the end of the day, I think the Penguins have too much experience and they will handle Montreal easily. Montreal could steal a game. But the way Pittsburgh's going to play, they're going to play at a fast pace. They're going to want to beat you up. And I don't know if the Canadians can handle that against a really good experienced uh, Penguins team. So that's that for the Penguins and Canadians. So that's the 5 versus the 12. Now we'll go to the 6 to the 11. Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. This series is such a toss-up. It's a toss-up because it's two teams that were pretty much even this past year. You got the Hurricanes who were that were bit by the injury bug during the year, and then you got the New York Rangers that were steamroll not steamrolling, but they were playing very good for a team that's still on the up come up. But they got guys like uh, Artemi Panarin, uh, Mika Zibanejad, uh, Jacob Truba, so on and so forth. But a lot of people are looking at the Hurricanes to succeed as the underdog. And that's because a lot of people view the Rangers as that high ceiling team that could go on a, a sneaky run if they get past the Hurricanes. So I'll start with the Hurricanes. Um, time off was probably this. They would be on the team with for that list that I said in the beginning of the show where I said, I could make a top five team, top five list of teams that definitely benefited from the pause and uh, Carolina's definitely on that list because now they get a guy in Dougie Hamilton back, but now we've heard reports that he's hurt again, but he should be okay. But they're a team that was bit by the injury bug many times this year and have, they probably have one of the best defense core in the league and they're going to play a big time role in this series. Uh, for me, the biggest question mark at the end of the day is can the Carolina Hurricanes win a Stanley Cup with Peter Morazic or James Reimer in that? 
because when you look at a lot of the, the potential cup winners, a lot of them have big-time goaltenders. Tuka Rask in Boston, Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa, uh, Brandon Holpe, who's done it with the Capitals. You've got Jordan Bennington in, in St. Louis. You've got Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas. When you look at all the top cont- contending teams, the Dallas Stars and Ben Bishop, they have big-time goaltenders that, can, that have stepped up in the past in the playoffs and took that, took that next step in becoming great. When I look at the Carolina Hurricanes goaltending, it's it's a big question mark because I don't know what I'm going to get from them. Number one, and are they type of goaltenders that can put the team on the bat on their back and really lead them to a deep playoff run? And that's basically when I look at the Carolina Hurricanes, I get a little like I, I don't know because I, I don't think you can win a, a cup with Peter Morazic and James Reimer. The only way I see that happening is if the defense and the offense just are unstoppable during the playoffs, but. The Hurricanes are getting so undervalued that I'm still trying to figure out who I'm going to pick for this series because sometimes I think the Rangers are a little bit overrated at times, but the Rangers are such a high-ceiling team in this playoff. So now the Rangers, obviously they have a great first line that that have produced major points during the year. And like I keep saying, they're a high-ceiling team with Panarin and Zabinijad and Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom and all those guys because they they were they had an interesting year. There were times where you were like, you can see why it's going to take time to rebuild because there were still pieces that they were trying to figure out during the year, trying to figure out line combinations. But then as the year went on, you just saw improvement after improvement. Adam Fox taking that next step. No one really thought he would be this good. Tony D'Angelo taking that next step. Even This is even crazy. Mika Zibanejad took the next step. He's starting to score more goals. He used to always just be a pass-first guy. Now he's scoring goals. And now with Panarin in the fold, he just makes them even better. And like I always joke with Caden, they just are obsessed with their goaltenders. They have three starting caliber, uh, starting goaltenders, including Henrik Lundqvist. And that's the biggest question mark. Who are you going to start in that? I think if you're the Rangers, start Igor. But you sh- same thing, you keep him with a short leash because you know that you have Henrik back there that, yes, is in the back nine of his career, but he's never lost to the Hurricanes. And maybe you can get a little bit of lightning in the bottle, catch that, and maybe he can help you go on a run. But to wrap up this, the preview of this series, I feel like if the, hur- the number six seeded Hurricanes beat the Rangers, the number 11 seed, I feel like it's considered an upset. And that's because... A lot of people are are picking the Rangers to win this. And it's just, it's just, it's going to be one of the best series to watch in these qualifying rounds because it's just such a toss-up. And if the Rangers win, people are not even going to blink an eye, I don't think. And just to me, it doesn't seem it's New York. It's the Rangers, the most popular hockey team in New York. So if the Hurricanes win, I see a lot of people going like, oh my God, that's an upset. That's an upset. But really, is it really an upset? Because they're the 16th seed going up against the 11th seed. So Kaden will definitely be all over that gate, that series, because obviously he's a Rangers fan, but that's the preview for the six versus the 11. So now the, the other intriguing series will go to Brooklyn now in New York, the number seven uh, Islanders versus the 10 uh, seeded Florida Panthers. Uh, same same way I view the Rangers and the Hurricanes is that this one's another really interesting matchup because I think both offenses are equal to each other. If that, just I give a nod, just a similar nod to 
slight nod to Florida because I think Barkov, Huberto are a better combination at one-two than Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell. That's no disrespect to Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell, but I think that combination of those two guys are better than the Islanders. And when you look at the goaltending, that's the biggest uh, advantage for me when it comes to the Panthers is you can look at their one through four lines on both sides and they're pretty much even, they're pretty much even, but then you look at the back and the defense, very similar, probably get a slight edge to Florida, but then the biggest advantage I give to Florida that I think will be the biggest threat in the long run for the Islanders in this series is the goaltending. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky for me is the big advantage for Florida I think when you have a big-time goaltender that has done things in the playoffs in the past, I think he can be a big threat to the Islanders, and I think that gives them the overall advantage in this series. Islanders don't have Robin Leonard like they did last year. They're relying on two guys that, in my opinion, aren't franchise guys. Maybe Varlamov could be in the in the short future, but I just don't see two franchise guys in Thomas Grace and Varlamov uh, being – uh, being able to put the Islanders on the back and win this series. Um, but it's it's just – it's this series is so tightly because they're both play the same type game. They both want to get the puck out deep, dump and chase. Uh, have a good, they both have good four checks. Uh, all in all, it's going to be a toss-up series. So here's just a little individual things I thought of for when I think about both teams. So I'll start with the seven seed, the Islanders. Uh, they have the best coach in the league. So a lot of people forget that Barry Trotz is their, their head coach. And he came from Washington after – uh, winning the cup with Washington. And ever since he stepped into the facility in Brooklyn, he's made the Islanders a playoff contender. They have been very good. Uh, you saw them on the run last year. They swept the Penguins, which no one saw coming. And just like that, the Islanders were back on the map. So they have the best coach in the league. So when I look at the Islanders, just remember that they have the best coach in the league. And they may, for me, be, have, be at a disadvantage in gold net and in net, but I think Barry Trotz can really bring his team together and maybe do what they did last year. Uh, they give up a lot of scoring chances. That's going to be the big issue. Their defense is not as strong as many other teams, and they don't have a great offense. And when you don't have a great defense and your offense isn't so great, you're going to give up a lot of scoring chances, and they do that. I've said it before. I'm not really going to harp on it too much. I'm concerned about their goaltending because – it's it's what it's it is what it is. You're going into these playoffs. You have your two guys. So you just gotta try to figure out to make it work. And like I said, they have a good one-two punch in Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell. But outside of them, they don't generate a lot of offense. They're gonna need Brock Nelson to take a step forward. They're gonna be, they're gonna have uh, Pajot is gonna have to prove to the franchise that giving up multiple uh, first and second round picks are gonna be big time for him because obviously he ain't trade himself for first and second round picks, but he's gonna have that pressure of, to the to the showing to the fan base that I was worth that. So they're going to need him to produce when it's going up against the Panthers because they do have a solid uh, decor back there for Florida. Uh, like I said, Florida has the advantage of net. Not really going to go too big of, about that. Uh, the Panthers have an underrated top six. They, with, starting with Huberto, Connolly, and Barkov, they can score with anyone. I think when you look at when you look at Pan, the Panthers, I think they could give the Islanders some fits up front because they are fast. They can score the puck and they've been playing with each other for years now. 
and it's and they're going to need guys outside of Huberto and Barkov and Connolly to step up if they want to go far into the playoffs. But they can score the puck. They're very good when they have the puck under stick. And it's going to be interesting how the Islanders defend that because when they go, maybe their third lineup against their first. A lot of teams do that when they play the, the Florida Panthers, but their top six is very underrated. Frank Vetrano, Eric Hollow, Mike Hoffman, uh, guys like that, Dadanov, they're going to need him to step up. So outside of Huberto and Barkov, I really want to see like Vetrano and those guys really step it up. And then on the flip side, they do give up a lot of goals as well. So this could be a goal fest with two decors that are interesting. They're not great, but they they give up a lot of scoring chances. So it's going to be who can stop the most pucks is going to win the series, obviously. So that was the seven and the 10. And then the last series in the East, this one, again, this one is going to be, I don't even know how to explain. This one, this is the number eight, Toronto Maple Leafs versus the number one, number nine, Columbus Blue Jackets. I personally feel Toronto, they have a big monkey on their back. They have, they're so top heavy when it comes to their offense with Mitch Marner, John Tavares, uh, Nylander, and Matthews. They are so top heavy that it's outside of those four guys, there's not a lot of depth. And that could give them a fit in the long run in the playoffs. But Columbus is the perfect matchup. Columbus is, is going to be playing their perfect matchup in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, the Maple Leafs are basically the Tampa Bay Lightning of last year. Obviously, they lack the depth and the, most of the talent that the Lightning have from top to bottom, but they play a similar game. Fast. They can score the puck. They, they want to dump it down and chase. They want to they have good – all their players have good vision especially the top players. Columbus can do what they did to Tampa. They have the perfect gritty defense that can get up into your face, play a one-man high so it prevents odd man rushes for the other team, and they're going to get in your face and they're going to play tough. The only question mark I have with Columbus is can they keep up in a high-scoring affair? Because they lost a lot of guys in free agency. Artemi Panarin to New York, Matthew Shane to Nashville, and Sergei Bobrovsky to Florida. They didn't have guys that they could plug in there and say, if it's a shootout, like 4-2, 5-3, 5-2, scores like that, they had a hard time keeping pace because they don't have that big offensive threats like they did last year. That's my only concern, but they could easily, easily do what they did to Tampa last year. They could do that to Toronto as well. Key points quickly for Toronto. Obviously they have their top players. They're so top heavy, but there's a lot of pressure on them to produce, especially John Tavares because he signed this long-term contract here in Toronto for playoffs and to win that eventual cup. And they're going to need to have big games from those top four guys to really go on a deep run. Uh, with, since they're so top-heavy, they're up against the cap. They don't have a lot of money to maneuver to get good depth pieces. I think that's going to bite them at the end of the day. They have no depth whatsoever. They're going to rely on a lot of rookie skaters, plus guys that are good, but they're not going to be like in 
game prep, you're not going to be like, oh my God, I got to be careful of the third and fourth line because they got some really good grinders and really good guys that could uh, get to the front of the net and poke the puck in. I just, I don't see that with Toronto. I just, their depth pieces are not very good and not, not like guys I'd be like terrified to go up against. Um, but I think there's a lot of pressure also on Fedrick Anderson because of those depth pieces. Obviously, your top two are pretty good. Your top two lines are pretty solid. But then the rest, you got to make sure that they, Toronto can score because Columbus is going to eliminate a lot of their good looks that they like to get. So you're going to want to create penalties. You're going to want to get to the high slot, hopefully, if you can get in front of some of the guys if you're Toronto. But – they have always been a great regular season team, an awful playoff team. Obviously, this, is, this isn't the playoffs, but basically the playoffs, if you look at it, because they're playing to get in. So Toronto just needs to figure out a way to get their third and fourth line key uh, contributors, get them to really step up, because that's the only way I see them raising the cup. Because I don't see how their top two lines could carry the load for them because that's a lot to put on their shoulders. Yes, they're really good players, but hockey's a team game, especially in the playoffs, when you're going to need everyone from top to bottom to produce. And I think at the end of the day, their their third and fourth lines are going to really cost them. So they're going to have to step up and really hope that they can get production out of those lines. Columbus, same thing. Can they? Same thing that I've been saying. Can they do what they did last year? Um, a lot of people, I think, are now going to pick Columbus after what they did last year. But let's just hold your horses. Let's hold everything right now because they were just – they were a great team last year, but they lost a lot of guys on offense. So can they recreate what they did without having those big-time pieces like they had last year? Uh, like I said, their defense has the capabilities to stop the high-flying Toronto offense, playing one-man high, eliminating – uh, opportunities for fast break opportunities for Toronto on man rushes but Seth Jones I think is going to be a key part in this series because he's the leader on the defense for Columbus and the way they play the way they play their defense the way they like to play a one-man high play tight man-to-man defense I think that's going to be big time uh, for Columbus to really stop Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Nylander uh, is obviously Last thing on this series is biggest question is Columbus keep up with the scoring opportunities and with the score that the game that these this series could produce because obviously they lost a lot of guys. So can they keep up with the high scoring game? So that was the number eight seed Toronto Maple Leafs versus the number nine Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's the East. I just broke down the East for you guys. I hope that you guys kind of learned something from listening to that because that's the final, final a breakdown of the East uh, until the playoffs starts. So that's my thoughts going into the East qualifying round. So now let's turn it to the West, and we're going to start with the number five seed, the Edmonton Oilers. They will be playing in their own building with no fans against the number 12 seed, Chicago Blackhawks. So I'll just break it down team by team now. First, this series is going to be fantastic. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Golden against Jonathan Tays, uh, and Patrick Kane, star-studded power on both sides. Obviously, the Blackhawks are aging, but they still have that chemistry. So I'll start with the Oilers. Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are going to have to prove, especially Draisaitl, that they can do what they did in the regular season. 
obviously you're not going to get to that pace where the pause really stop everything and you have to obviously now you have to start from the bottom and work your way back up dry saddle is not going to just be like yep let's snap let's snap at a finger and i'm going to go back to where i did in the regular season no obviously he has to work that way so mcdavid and dry are going to be big components but same thing with toronto outside of mcdavid and dry their depth forwards are not spectacular. Yes, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I still there's still times where I'm, I'm like just wanting more from him. I've been waiting for him to take that next step and be big, and I just haven't seen it. Tyler Ennis is gonna have to play big. He plays a lot of second line minutes. Uh Riley Sheehan's gonna have to step up. Like these are players that you normally don't see on the scorecard most of the time but you're going to need them to do this in this qualifying round against Chicago. And James Neal. James Neal has been great. He's been aging, but he's aging like fine wine. He has been producing for Edmonton this regular season. He's been great. So we need to see him step up. And he's been in this run before. He he was in the run with Vegas when they went to the cup final, and he was a big piece of Nashville's run to the uh, Stanley Cup final as well. So obviously, Neal, Dreisaitl, and McDavid have to play big in order to get past the Blackhawks. And they need to lead the way and really help produce it on their forward group. Um, I think the defense will be okay. Their, their defense isn't as great as some of these other teams, but I could see Adam Larson playing a big role, uh, Clef Baum playing a big role for the Oilers. But all in all, you just have to make sure that it's not all on dry sidles and McDavid's shoulders because, like I said, this is a team game. You're going to need – top to bottom production from every single guy. The number 12, Chicago Blackhawks. Don't sleep on the Blackhawks. A lot of people are sleeping on the Blackhawks because they look at Dreisaitl and McDavid saying they can't contain those two guys. How do you know that? Chicago, to me, I would not be afraid at all to pick them to upset the Oilers because they have so much experience in the playoffs. They have done it all. They've seen it all. They still have most of the guys that were on those cup teams, cup winning teams. Obviously they are aging. Don't get me wrong. You look at Edmonton, they're a much younger, faster squad than Chicago, but they still have Jonathan Tees. They still have Brandon Saad. They still have Patrick Kane. They still have Corey Crawford and Ned. If Corey Crawford can at least play above average than the goaltending he's been playing during these last couple of years, he could easily, easily help the Blackhawks get out of the qualifying round and into the playoffs. I'm telling you, we're going to see some crazy matchups in the qualifying round, teams that you thought would go further but get bounced in the first round in the qualifying round. I think Chicago – is so undervalued in these playoffs, especially the qualifying round against the Oilers, that I wouldn't sleep on them at all. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be shocked if they upset the Edmonton Oilers. And it just comes down to can Crawford play above average goaltending? Because if he does, Chicago could be a big time surprise in the playoffs. Taves has been great. The Brinkett's been great. Uh, Strom's there. Yes, they have some aging stars, but their young players have actually played very well this season. Jonathan Taves obviously took a slight decline this year, 
but I think he still could be in that locker room saying they're not giving us a chance. And hearing a guy that's won multiple cups like that and Patrick Kane and Corey Crawford, I think you could rally around guys like that. Duncan Keith obviously has been there as well. That's the only part that I'm nervous about Chicago is their D, their D core. You got Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist, Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, Slater Fufu and Ali Mata. Can they stop the high-flying Oilers offense with Drysdale and McDavid? That's the, like them paired with with uh, Corey Crawford is where I really want to see. That's what's going to determine if they can upset the Oilers or not. But I'm going to say it one more time. Do not sleep on the Blackhawks because I think they have a real shot at being one of those teams that can upset a top seed. So that was the 5-12. Now we'll go to the 6 to the 11, Nashville versus Arizona. We'll start with Nashville. They have a lot of talent, but they need to put it together. Matthew Shane signed over here for a seven-year, $56 million deal, and he was awful. Awful. Obviously, they changed. They fired their head coach and they brought in uh, Hines from New Jersey. So obviously, when you have a change in coaching staff, that can really that pulls the plug for here and there can really like pull the plug on some guys. So maybe that's where Duchesne kind of struggled. But since Hines came back during the regular season, came on board, they had a lot of improvements when it came to the Predators. So watch out for that. But Forsberg and Duchesne have to play like they have played in the past. It's the only way they're going to get past the Coyotes. This series, for me, is another toss-up because you've got two talented teams that have great forward play, and plus they got some great defenders in the back end as well. They Nashville needs to play the way they normally do. They need to get on the power play, and they need to score power play goals. You, we all saw when they went on their cup run, they went because they were tough and they got on the power play and they never missed an opportunity, basically. They were deadly. And you need Duchesne to take that next step. You need Forsberg to get back from this injury that he has occurring during the regular season. And you need him to score goals. He's the engine of this team. You need Ryan Johansson to lead the top line along with Forsberg. Victor Arvidsson is the Brad Marchand of the Nashville Predators. Obviously, he doesn't do the antics that Marchand does, but Arvidsson is arguably the MVP of this team because he doesn't take a second off. He plays 100% every single time he's out on the ice, and he's that one player that you need to watch out because he will get to the front of the net, play big, plays. he's a small player, but plays big, and he will get his nose to the net and stick the – stick the puck into the net. He's so physical for a small guy that he is a guy that Arizona is going to have to keep an eye on because he's so pesky and he doesn't even care. He plays the power play. He plays the PK. He does it all. He's their all player. And he's literally what Brad Marchand does for the Bruins. Um, and the big question is who do you start Pecorini or Saros? I personally start Saros because when he played during the regular season, took over for Rene, he was a big-time component of them taking that next step and really building chemistry and winning games when they needed to. Uh, but, like, the same thing I've, that I've been saying for all the teams that need to start a goal that have question marks in net, you have to have a short leash just because you have a guy that's going to go to the Hall of Fame and Pecker Rene, and you know that if he gets on a hot streak, he can easily – go on a crazy hot streak that can carry the Predators to the Stanley Cup. He's just, he's that good when he's on. 
but I would I would start Saros because I've you've seen what he's done in the regular season that he can be a good solid starter for the Predators. But I've read reports that both guys have been really good, so you can't really go wrong picking a guy, which I can understand that. But if I had to pick someone, it would be Saros. So that's the Predators end of things. Arizona, they traded for Phil Kessel. They got a, they got a big playmaker that's a sniper that produces when the lights are bright in the playoffs. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion when he played with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it always seemed like when they were winning their cups, it was he was right in the middle of it because they had to deal with teams had to deal with Crosby and Malkin on his line. So that just left Kessel wide open on the right side at the right circle where he would just snipe, snipe, snipe. Can he can he do what he did in Pittsburgh? I don't know, possibly. Does his experience play a major factor in this series? Absolutely, because he's been there, done that with Pittsburgh, and he seems to always play big when the playoffs start. Um, Obviously, his line mates, his line mates are Taylor Hall, not Taylor Hall, his line mates are Nick Schmaltz and Carl Soderberg. He's going to need to take that next step to develop evaluate uh, to elevate their games as well if he can really elevate their his line then Arizona's a tough out because you got Taylor Hall in the first line with Connor Garland and you got a deep team Clayton Keller sometimes played third line like that Clayton Keller is a top tier player and they have him playing third line so Nashville really needs to smother this offense they have the defense to do it but can Phil Kessel be the engine that runs this team? Absolutely. And I think it starts with Kessel, and it starts with Taylor Hall, and then Oliver Eppin-Larsen as well. Um, speaking of Taylor Hall, he needs to play well as well. He needs to play at the level that we're used to seeing. He is going to play first line, and I think he's going to give Nashville's uh, defense all the fits in the world alongside Phil Kessel. If Hall – can get hot that's a good sign for Arizona because he wasn't he was okay during his tenure when he got traded here to Arizona and finally uh Coyotes defense needs to match Nashville's as close as possible because Nashville has a deep deep defensive core from top to bottom and Arizona needs to match that with all Oliver Edmund Larson leading the way and Alex Golagossi is going to have to step up but if they can match Nashville's decor step for step they could easily win this game and a lot of people are picking the Coyotes in this series because a lot of people look at that talent they had they have better overall talent that produced this year unlike Nashville so this series is just another toss-up that I keep on saying because there are a lot of toss-ups in the qualifying round now we'll go to seven to ten Vancouver versus the number 10 seed Minnesota Wild I said last show that I don't see the Wild really winning this series because I just – I don't know what I'm getting from Minnesota. But I just – I hate backtracking when I say stuff. But I'm just going to backtrack a bit just because I thought about it after I published the show last last week that I do want to say this. Minnesota could give Vancouver fits, especially because they play tough. They want to – they want to pin guys up against the board. They want to – they have great forecheck. 
and they're very physical. And Vancouver's a really young team. Can Elias Pedersen be physical when you have to be physical in the playoffs? That's the only way you're going to get through rounds like this. Can he be physical? Can the youth all in general be uh, physical? Because that's how Minnesota's going to play, play this series. They're going to be gritty, and they're going to play tough. And they know that they have – they have the experience, unlike Vancouver. Vancouver had a great regular season, don't get me wrong, but it's not as tough. It's, it's not as physical as a game as once you get to the playoffs because the playoffs is just a whole different animal. So if they can match the physicality that Minnesota is going to give them, then they could easily win the series because they have the better offense, better all-around talent. But Minnesota could easily take advantage of Vancouver's uh, inexperienced and young players that they have. Um, can Toffoli mix and mesh with Vancouver? Because I traded for him at the deadline and from L.A., and he had a rough time in Vancouver. It, he didn't really produce as many points as we thought he would be. Can he mesh with his line mates and really produce uh, to get Vancouver into the next round? And can Markstrom, at the end of the day, lead you that's the biggest question can Markstrom the goaltender lead Vancouver but if he can then they're a tough out but I'm just concerned when it comes to this matchup because Minnesota is going to play tough and can Vancouver's young players match that so that was the seven and ten versus the wild uh obviously for the wild you need to see Zuccarello take a step Who's going to take a big step with Zucker now in Pittsburgh? Who's going to do that? Can Devin Dubernick play well in net, hold up against top-flying score scores like JT Miller and Elias Pedersen? If he can do that, Minnesota could uh, win this series and go into the, into the next round in the playoffs. So that's, for me, the biggest question mark. Can Vancouver match the intensity and physicality as Minnesota can? Because if Minnesota plays that way, they could easily upset Vancouver. Now we'll go to the last matchup in the West. And this is one of this, – this matchup reminds me of, like, when you think about upsets. It's the number eight Calgary Flames versus the number nine Winnipeg Jets. The Calgary Flames are the better seeding between – them in the Jets but I feel like if they the number eight seed up beats the number nine seed Winnipeg Jets I feel like a lot of people are going to view that as an upset because I said last show and I'll say it again Calgary I'm always left wanting more they have a talented forward core and a decent defensive core but I've always felt I was left wanting more and when everyone looks at Winnipeg, they look at their great – they have a great team from top to bottom. They're just really good. For me, the only thing that Winnipeg needs to address is their decor because Neil Pionk's a good player, but he's not going to scare anybody in the playoffs. They're, he's just not. He's, he's a threat, but he's not a big-time threat that some other teams have when it comes to their big-time defensemen. So I'll start with the Flames. They have a talented – impressive young roster it's gonna come down to if they can match the big like five you could say in Winnipeg and that's Patrick Laine that's Blake Wheelers that's Nicholas Ehlers that's uh you could even throw Neil Pionk in there if you wanted to can they match the big 
five in Winnipeg because Winnipeg has a top flying offense. Kyle Connor is one, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Nicholas Ayers, and Patrick Laine. Can they match that big five? I completely forgot some of the players, so do not put Neil Pionk in there, but if you want to, go ahead. But can they, can they play with those top five? Because that's the only way they are going to really have a big-time series is if they can step up and beat the Jets on five-on-five on five hockey because the Jets can alternate their lineups any way they want. They can separate it. But can Johnny Gaudreau really lead the team? Can Sean Monaghan and Elias Lindholm be the better first line in the series? I don't know. I, no one really knows, but they are talented enough that they could. Can Matthew Chuchuk really take that next step and give fits to the second line of Winnipeg? Can Mikel Backlund do the same? And then after that, just the bottom, the bottom two are just big question marks for me. What's Sam Bennett going to be? What's Lucic going to be? What's Derek Ryan going to be? What's Tobias Reeder going to be? I would be concerned. But at the end of the day, I think they can. I think they could be a really interesting team in this playoffs. And then you got Giordano and TJ Brody, who could play big on the D corps as well. But same thing. Can Winnipeg finally get over the hump and win a, a qualifying slash playoff round? Because they've always been healthy and ready to go when it comes to the playoffs, but they always end up falling short. They arguably have the best goaltender in the playoffs and Connor Hellebuck. Can he take that next step, that big improvement? And he could easily play great and lead this team. Winnipeg has got great options. And uh, Connor, like everyone I said, Connor, Line, Wheeler, you name it, they have a great overall roster. But what's going to hold them back in the playoffs is their decor. They're going to need their decor to really step up because outside of Neil Pionk, it's just a big drop-off from there. Neil Pionk is still – he's 23 years old, and he's still very young, and he still doesn't have all that experience in the playoffs. So can they do it? If they do do it, it's going to be because of their offense and their goaltending. So that, that was the breakdown of each qualifying round. Quickly, teams that I – one through five that we thought – Kate and I thought would need to be careful that they could be on upset alert. Um, my number one's the Islanders. Number two is Toronto. Number three is Edmonton for me. Number four is Winnipeg. Obviously, I know they are the number nine. They're not the better seed, but I think everyone's looking at that game as Calgary's the underdog just because of the talent that uh, Winnipeg has. And number five is Vancouver up against uh, Minnesota. So those are the five teams in my eyes that would have to be careful because they could potentially be on upset alert. For Caden, he has the Islanders against Florida. He has Nashville against Arizona, uh, Vancouver up against uh, uh, Minnesota, but he thinks that at the end of the day, Vancouver is going to get the job done. And then he has uh, Columbus, I mean, Toronto going up against Columbus. So that is that all? That's that. I agree. Columbus is definitely on there as well. I forgot to mention Columbus, I think. Toronto is going to be a team that needs to watch out to be on upset alert because Columbus has all the pieces, especially on the decor, to upset them. So there you have it. That was the breakdown of the qualifying round. It was exciting. We were excited. We were happy to break down a lot of these series for you guys these last couple of weeks. But now it gets exciting because now we can actually have hockey. We'll have hockey this week. 
It's going to be really, really exciting to see how these teams do in their respective locations. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the show at the underscore Oddman Rush on Twitter. You can follow me at JaredM24 underscore on Twitter. And you can follow Caden at, at Bolin underscore Caden on Twitter. So that was the recap of all the qualifying rounds. Starting uh, next Thursday, stay tuned. We're going to unveil our qualifying bracket. Yes, Caden will be back and ready to go. We will unveil our bracket, give us, give you guys who we think is going to win and why, and give you the, the player that's going to be the top performer for their team in the qualifying round. So this has been episode 10 of the Odd Man Rush podcast. It's been, uh, it's been fun. It was a one-man show today. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll have to think about it. Maybe Caden won't come back because I thought this show was really good. <laughs> but for, I'm Jared McCabe. That was episode 10 of the Odd Man Rush podcast. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will talk to you on Thursday when we unveil our qualifying bracket. So this was the Odd Man, Ru- Odd Man Rush podcast. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I'm signing off. I will talk to you guys next week.